This is episode 17 of Coaching Connections with Marcus Alvarado. And man, let me tell you, we have a great episode for you today. We have Coach Lou Torres, who is now retired but served the basketball community in San Antonio for several years. We also have Coach John Valenzuela, who is having an outstanding career of his own. He is currently a San Antonio Christian, been in the game for over 20 years, both phenomenal leaders, powerful insight in this episode. Let's get after it. I love what you're doing. It's good stuff. Thank you, Coach. It's really, really good. There he is. Coach Torres. Hey, Louis. Good. Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, We're about to get some heavy rain down here. Yeah, I feel it too. I can hear it outside. Yeah. Coach John Valenzuela, how are you doing, sir? Louis, I'm good, man. It's good to see you, buddy. It's good to see you and good to hear your voice again, man. Same here. Yeah, yeah. And thanks a lot for having us, Coach Alvarado. Oh, oh sure. I, I'm grateful that you guys uh, took some time to be able to talk. I, I love it. I'm excited. I've been excited. I was like, man, is Thursday here yet? I don't know if it's here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much I have to offer in terms of, you know, old school basketball, but <laughs> oh, it's the best. That's, that's the best. I tell you what, those are, those are my favorite stories, you know. Uh, no, listen, yeah. to the old the old stories. You know, my assistant coach is his father's from Indiana. So on one of the last episodes I did, he coached forty four years up in East Chicago, um, right? And uh, and you know he went to Indiana State. Used to watch Larry Bird practice every day. Uh, wow. Played played some high school ball in the Hoosiers gym when he was a kid. So I mean, that's way back in the day. And he's got some great stories and. So I, yeah. I matched him up with Charlie Bogus, and they, they just kept going back and forth on. Oh, I can imagine. On I can imagine. Yeah, it was good stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Hey, listen, before we get started, I just want to say that uh, uh, me and John go back a long time, and uh, I have a lot of respect for what he's done in basketball. We coach together at AU, so it means a lot to me, to me to be here with him. Absolutely. So, Marcus, when we get started here, I want to talk about how Lewis impacted my life as a young coach who I didn't know a three-pointer from a two-pointer. And he really guided me along with other wonderful names that I'll mention in the story because those guys took me under their wing and they taught me a lot. I learned so much from all of them. So I can't wait to share that part of the story and how important it is to mentor to mentor younger coaches. And so, but I think it's important. I think okay. in our profession, you know, you guys have been doing it for a lot longer than I have. And, and guys like you have made impacts on, on lives of people like me. Um, and I hope I'm doing the same. And so I think coaches have this ability to make these relationships and these impactful relationships at that. And so I'm just trying to get to know as many people as I can through this, get their stories out there, have a bunch of younger coaches, older coaches listen to it. Um, you know, you can always learn something from somebody else. Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. So first, I just want to say thank you, right? Thank you very much. Uh, we got Coach Valenzuela and Coach Lou Torres. Uh, so first, as we get started, let's talk a little bit about what you're doing right now during this whole COVID situation. How have you guys been holding up? What does your daily routine look like? You've been binge-watching anything on TV? What have you watched lately, <laughs> you know? Well... I'll go first, and I guess, uh, yeah, been watching TV is, is correct. I mean, I've, I've seen so much. I know everything about Michael Jordan right now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But, yeah, that's what my, my whole uh, 
you know, time consists of uh, uh, doing a lot of honeydews, you know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, working outside in the yard, uh, landscaping, can't really go anywhere. So uh, it's been really tough, you know, trying to find things to do and keep yourself occupied during this kind of crazy time that we're going through. You know, for, for me, um, being a pastor at a church, um, I'm spending a lot of time with a lot of congregants, trying to visit them and make sure that they're okay. This, these last eight weeks to 10 weeks have been really difficult for some people. And I've had to talk a lot of people off the ledge that are hurting emotionally or they're, they're struggling with their kid, not doing what they're supposed to do in school. And how much everybody appreciates teachers right now. Well, they really appreciate it because they're having to do the work that we do, you know. So that's been that's been hard for some people. But trying to keep everybody encouraged, uh, I preach several messages during the week where we do it online and and it goes out to help people to live a a no fear mentality. Um, when I get a chance, I'll go out and hit a golf ball. I'll, I pray it goes straight. That doesn't happen very often, but um, you know, loving my wife and loving my kids. That's yep. At the end of the day, that's kind of what, what my life is like right now. The other part, it's tough not getting with the players. And, Marcus, I know you know that because that's I – mean, yeah. we spend more time with our players than we do with our own family sometimes. Absolutely. And right now, not, not spending time with them is tough. Especially now, like the spring, going into the summer, that's so important, that off-season work. Um, and to not have that time to develop those kids. But more importantly, that, that rapport you build with them going through these workouts, I mean, because you put them through a bunch of tough stuff and and that kind of brings you a little closer together. And so missing those guys, I mean, uh, I have a group thread with them and uh, and then we do our Zoom meetings, but but uh, I haven't talked to them in a few, and it was only a couple of days, but I tell you what, they uh, they were being silly and, and, and they were sending some funny jokes or whatever. And, and I just thought, man, uh, they're blowing up my phone right now, but I miss the heck out of these guys. So I don't even care right now. You know, before I'm like, okay, guys, <laughs> Go go talk <laughs> go go be silly somewhere else, um, but I just appreciated the interaction. I, I missed the heck out of our guys, and so can totally agree with what you're saying. Um, let's get into our childhood. Um, where'd you grow up? What was that like? Um, any influences in your life uh, um, that helped you, whether whether it be getting into coaching or just influences in your life? Period, and um, and, and we can go from there. Okay, <clears throat> I grew up on the west side of San Antonio, on a single parent family, and uh, I guess in my uh, younger years, uh, influence think people that influenced me were people that uh, community uh, leaders at uh, community centers that uh, kept us in line. Mm. Later on, uh, my mother remarried. We uh, we moved to of all places, Bull Verde, Texas. And that was a big change for me, an inner city kid going to a rural area. Oh, yeah. And experiencing a whole, whole new different situation. I mean, I grew up with predominantly Hispanic kids, and now I'm in predominantly German kids. So you can imagine what I went through. But as it turns out, it was the best decision I think that I ever made. Because the discipline, the structure really, you know, strained me out, and I started making better grades. and. We started playing basketball in middle school, and then I, uh, from there I went to Canyon High School in New Braunfels. Okay. And, uh, 
played there for four years, went to Blinn College, played there, went, played at Texas State a couple of years. And then I uh, um, got a scholarship in Monterey, Mexico, uh, and uh, University of Monterey, and uh, played there, uh, had a great time. Um, got to travel a lot, experienced a lot of good things. Played in the World University Games in Russia, Central American Games, World Club Tournament. So I had a lot of a lot of good opportunities uh, through basketball. Wow, that's awesome. Um, for me, I, I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was an evangelist, and he would preach everywhere he could uh, on, on Fridays and Saturdays. And I'd go with him in the car and just watch what leadership looked like for my dad and how he would inspire his version of a locker room, right? Going into a church and leading people to Jesus and just watching people just love my dad and the, the impact that he would make on the Latino community to me was, was unbelievably impressive. My dad didn't speak a lick of English, Marcus. You know, I would, I would, I would say, what color is this? And he would say, jello. And I'm like, dad, that's not jello, that's yellow. So then I would give my dad yellow jello and i go what is this and he would go jello jello it was hilarious right so i mean <laughs> my dad couldn't speak english but i'll tell you what man he could when he started getting up and preaching every, every, it looked like time would stop yeah. and i learned looking back at it I, I learned how to capture a locker room by watching my dad capture people in church mm -hmm. so so he was a big inspirational influence in my life. My grandfather was a preacher also. I had an uncle who's now the superintendent of Dallas ISD, Michael Hinojosa. He, he was a basketball coach uh, at, a, at a school in Dallas. And he's the one that got me a book by Dean Smith on coaching basketball. And Man, once I got that book and I started reading it and learning strategies, that's when I started taking what I learned from my dad in just leadership principles and then taking strategies from a wonderful mind. To me, that's when things started developing. And, and I'll go a little further. When, when I, you know, I, I didn't play basketball. I mean, I played football. I wasn't good enough to play basketball. I got cut, right? And I went to Harlandale High School. Got cut, wasn't good enough, but I played football. But um, when I got into, into college and got into the coaching realm, Marcus, um, I started coaching football at a middle school called Sol Ross Middle School in, in Northside. And we coached football, and I knew what to do. And we got into basketball, and I was clueless. I didn't know what to do. So I went to a guy named Bobby Jacklich, who, who obviously, you know, Lou, you know. He, and, and you know, Marcus, he was at Holmes, and he introduced me to the flex. I'm like, oh, my God, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. You're in the same thing on both sides. So Bobby kind of showed me some things. And then Bobby introduced me to a guy named uh, John Hunt. And when I got introduced to John Hunt, that's when I met Neville Shedd. I met Louis Torres. Louis, I met Jack Inselman. And those four guys took a guy who didn't know anything about basketball, but I knew how to motivate. And I had some strategies by a book, but they took the game and they showed it to me in a way that I'll, I still use to this day. So that, that's kind of my story. Well, you, can, you kind of jumped into it a little bit. So let, let's talk about your, your coaching journey up until this point. 
and, and like you said, guys that have inspired you along the way. Go ahead, John. I'll let you go. Oh no, Lewis, you got to go first, man. It's it's you, you're you're the man. You need to go. Go ahead. Repeat the question again. Uh, let's talk about your coaching journey. You know, where did you get your start, and, and and up until when you retired? Wow. See, I can remember that far back. <laughs> uh, after I played a little pro basketball in Mexico, um, I came back and my, I got my degree. And my first coaching job was at South San, South San Antonio Independent School District. And it was at Kaysen Middle School. So I was there for one year. We had a very good team. Uh, and uh, my second year, I was moved up to uh, South San High School as a, an assistant coach under Jimmy Littleton. And we had some good years there. Um, uh, after, after two years of being there, Jimmy moved on, and they made me the head basketball coach. And we had some, we had some really great teams there. Uh, um, I wish I could name all the players, but we don't have time. But I had a great experience with some great kids, great parents. We uh, um, were fortunate enough to make the playoffs several times, got to the regional tournament. And those kids and those parents were so appreciative of, you know, getting there. And then um, from then, I, I just um, got out of coaching after being at South San for about 18 years. Uh, I thought I had enough, and I went into administration. I went to work at um, Uvalde as an administrator. And uh, Newton Grimes was the head coach there. Yes, Newton. <laughs> and uh, he calls me into his office and says, Lou, he says, I've already talked to the superintendent, and I know you're an administrator here, but they're willing to let you be a coach half, the, half of the day. <laughs> <laughs> said, are, you, are you kidding me? He said, no, no. They've already approved it. You just got to say yes. I said, no, I can't do that. What are the other administrators going to say? No, no, don't worry about it. So sure enough, man, I was an administrator half the day, and I was a coach the other half. So I assisted at Newton Grimes and, uh, wow. you know, had some good teams there. Uh, and then uh, – and I was commuting every day. I was driving every day to Uvalde. Oh. <laughs> yeah. wow. That was a 40-mile round trip every single day. Coach, just for those that don't know, how, how long was the drive, like, and time-wise? Time it was about uh, – about an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, yeah. But, but anyway, uh, so I did that for a couple of years, but after the athletic banquet one day, I was coming home, it was late, I was tired. Newton Grimes offered for me to stay at his house. I said, no, coach, I've got a lot of things to do. I got to get home. So I'm driving home, tired, and I fall asleep, and I go off the road. Oh, no. And uh, luckily, nothing happened. Uh, I said, you know what, I, I got I to stop. I can't do this anymore. So I only, that was my last year there. So I got in a, an administrative job at Samuel Clemens High School. And I was there for two years. My phone rings, and it's somebody you know, Marcus, Denny Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He said, Lou Torres. <laughs> I can hear it. <laughs> hey, man, I got a problem for you. I said, what's going on, Denny? I said, look, we got, a, we got an opening down here, and uh, we'd like to know if you would like to come get back into coaching. And I said, no, coach, I don't, I don't think I want to. 
think I've done enough coaching. So I came home and told my wife. She said, no, come on. You know you want to get back into it. So it turns out, you know, I got – I went to coach there at Harlandale. Uh, had some very good teams there. Uh, stayed there for about 10 years. Uh, then became a counselor and then an administrator again. And then I retired as an administrator at Terrell Middle School. So – so Marcus Lewis is very humble. Okay. <laughs> He's very humble because well, I've noticed I've noticed because what he didn't tell you is this. He won a national championship with an <laughs> AAU team. He, he's not going to mention that. I, I'll mention it because that's when when I got into coaching, Bobby Jacklin says you need to go meet these guys and they go coach with them. I'm like, "Okay." So I walk in and they instantly put me in the fire. I mean, I'm put in the fire with like, okay, so I take a team to Alabama. I don't even know where Alabama is, right? I'm from the South side. I'm Harlandale graduate. Like where the heck is Alabama? So I'm going and, and I learn on the fly, but Lewis had the all-star team of San Antonio. He had the first team. I had the second team and I don't know why they gave me the second team. I, sh I shouldn't have even deserved the fifth team, but they gave me the second team and we're competing every day against Man, guys that, that are amazing. One of them, Shaquille O'Neal, right? And, and there's Neville Shedd coaching Shaquille O'Neal with Louie on, on post moves. And I'm clueless. I'm like, what are we doing? Who's this big guy? And who's this big other guy yelling at this big guy? And it's Neville yelling, yelling at, at Shaq. <laughs> and, and, and I saw them. I had the second team. I saw the first team just pummel everybody. And beat Indiana's best. They had Thunderbird. They, I mean, they had George McGinnis's son. They had a kid named Bailey. And, and we're in the Alamo Stadium, and, and we, just, we, we just dominate them from beginning to end. And Lewis, for me, a Hispanic guy who doesn't know a lot about basketball, watches another powerful Hispanic Quinn. I flipped from being a football coach to go – I'm going to do basketball. Um, and, and, and for me, that's when everything changed. From then on out, I started coaching at Smith. I become a head coach at Smithson Valley. I become a head coach at uh, San Marcos. I go to Madison. And this is where Denny Smith comes involved. All three of us are involved with Denny Smith. <laughs> we really are. So, so Denny Smith's brother, uh, Coach Smith, had a brother who was the who was the principal at Madison, and when I'm at San Marcos, he says, "Will you come over and consider coming coaching at Madison?" Well, Denny tells him, "You you need to hire John." You know, just the way he speaks, and and I get hired, and that's when my career changes. I you know I take two teams. I'm blessed to be a part of two teams that go to the final four. There was one span where we won a hundred and. 32 games and lost 19 and I was just in the right place at the right time with the right administration and you know my, everything changed for me there I get offered a job to go to Duncanville and my wife won't go and it's like honey we need to go to Duncanville I mean it's a great job and she said if you're going you're going by yourself so I realized <laughs> no <laughs> mom was right so you know uh, and I'm I'm happy and I'm blessed that I didn't take the job because it just wasn't for me, even though it was offered for me in my spirit and with my wife, it didn't feel right. And she saw things I didn't. 
and I, I'm glad I didn't take it, and I stayed at Madison, and now I'm at San Antonio Christian, and I've been there for 10 years. So it's, it's, been, a, it's been wonderful, but again, if I don't meet Louie, if, if I don't join that group, I, don't, I wouldn't have the career that, that God's blessed me to have right now. Let me, let me just say that you did a great job with that second team, Coach. You really did. You know, uh, I want to go back. I want to go back and say a little bit about the Shaquille-led team and how it started. I, I admitted that. And, um, when they were sophomores, John said, hey, let's put together a team of 12 players as sophomores and put them in these elite tournaments in Phoenix, the BCI, yeah. And let's keep them together. I know they're going to take uh, a whooping, but that's okay. Let's keep them together for free, and let's see what they can do. So we got Shaquille was a sophomore, and, uh, you know, we had Askia Jones and Calvin Thomas and Bo Outlaw and, and those kids. And sure enough, we took them to the AAU uh, tournament in Phoenix, and, uh, yeah, we did. We, we, got, we got drilled there by, by New York and Chicago and um, – but they held their own and won a couple of games. As, as juniors, we went back to the BCI Nationals, and they, uh, they won about, five, about half of their games. Then as, as seniors uh, during the AAU Nationals here, they came together and they won a national championship. So, and I really want to credit John Hunt because without him, that would have never, that would have never happened. There's no doubt. John Hunt affected – more more basketball games in San Antonio and high school athletics than I think any other person in the lifetime that I've been around. He he had his hand in everything. And I think about his coaching tree and all the people that he influenced right. and the people he helped move to, to play at the next level. John Hunt was in all of this. And back then, Marcus, AAU was different than it is now. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it was very, it was very different. And you know, nowadays anybody can be called a coach, and I, I'm I'm not against that. I mean, people are going to coach. I get that, but it was it was it was pure back then, yeah. where we could coach him. And my favorite Shaquille O'Neal story. I don't know if you remember it, Lewis. We're, we're we're at Trinity. We're 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 practicing back and forth. We're doing a fast break drill, and Shaquille was at LSU with Dale Brown signing his con. You know, committing to them. And we had this kid, I don't remember his name, but he was from Central Catholic. He was a 6'5", just statue of a Greek god. Joe, and he was dunking on Joe Hannon. Joe Hannon. Okay, that's it, Joe Hannon. Wow, I <laughs> forgot his name. So Joe Hannon is just dunking it on everyone, and everyone's getting out of the way. You know, Robert Kino can't stop him. Askia is trying to. He's just playing really well. First time Shaquille comes to practice, we do that drill. And Shaquille gets a rebound. He pins it on the glass, puts it between his legs, brings it down the court, and goes up. And there's Hannah and him at the rim. And Shaquille goes up and just dunks it on him and straddles him while he's on the ground. And then just screams and goes, ah! And everybody ran off the court like, oh, my God, there's a new sheriff in town. Yeah. I'll, never, I'll never forget turning to Jack Kinselman saying, we're going to be pretty good. <laughs> that was my coaching point. That's all I had to let say. Me, let me just – another quick uh, Shaquille story before we go on this. Uh, we're on the plane coming back to San Antonio, and they put on that, you know, the light. You can take your seatbelt off. And Shaquille gets up, and he's going up and down the aisle of the plane with a little notepad and a pen. And I told the assistant coach, what is he doing? 
So he went over and comes back and says, you don't never know what he's doing. What? He is telling them, hey, my name is Shaquille O'Neal. I'm going to be famous one day. You want my autograph? <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. But lo and behold, he's one of the most dominant forces to ever enter the game of basketball. When it's That's all a good yeah. You when, know, when you uh, see, go ahead. No, go ahead, Coach. Well, when you saw him, when I saw him at the Orlando Magic, when he goes there, but we see him in LSU and see what he starts doing. And it's what we saw every day at practice. I mean, he had guard right. skills. He could put it between his legs, behind his back, spin. And, and he couldn't shoot a jump shot, though. But he could go to the rim and do whatever he wanted to around the rim. But it, right. was, it was amazing to see how athletic he was. Yep. Yep for a big guy coach i mean i don't think people give him enough credit you know because they see him when he was a little older a little heavier but but a prime shack is one of the greatest athletes to ever walk oh. off, in my opinion that's exactly yeah. um I, I mean i know coach admitted it i was gonna ask anyway because I, I i follow shaquille on instagram like millions of other people and uh, i saw the post he posted a picture of his aau team and right. coach Torres in the picture and i said man look at this guy I know that guy. That guy did a phenomenal job. Uh, and Shaq was basically saying, best team to ever come out. Um, you know, and then that, that episode I did with Coach Bogus, he actually brought up that game because uh, the other guest was from Indiana. And he was telling him, sorry, oh, but, yeah. but Shaq O'Neal and the San Antonio team totally destroyed that Indiana team. And Shaq <laughs> did whatever he wanted. Uh, and so I wasn't there, but, but is this true? I and mean, Shaq just totally dominated that game, Coach? Oh. He really did. Let me, but let me just say that um, um, he fouled out in the beginning of the fourth quarter. Yes. Okay. He fouled out. And uh, we had cut it down to about three or four points. And he fouls out. So I called a timeout. And, and Bo Outlaw comes to me and says, Coach, don't worry, Coach. I've got the middle, Coach. And he just dominated boards. He blocked Lawrence Funderburg. Yes two or three times at the basket. And then, oh, I got to give credit to Skid Jones. Yes. The, uh, the point guards from Jay, uh, Byron Campbell, and Alton Johnson, you know, were, were playing okay. But I remember that Terry Morris played uh, Skid Jones at the point. So I yep. said, look, I'm going to put you at the point. You know what You know what to do. You know we're running four out, one in. Yep. He said, oh, I'll do it. And he did an excellent job. Uh, running the running the show, but the guys that went crazy on me was Robert Kino. Kino and, was amazing. Uh, Kino hit like five or six threes in a row to break the. And then the kid from Sam Houston, uh, Sidney Kimball. Sidney Kimball stole the ball. We decided to go red, which meant full court press. We're gonna double the ball wherever it goes, even when it gets across that court. We're gonna keep doubling the ball. And let's just go with that. And sure enough, man, I was amazed that Indiana fell apart. They threw the ball away, threw the ball away. And before you know it, we had a 12, 13-point lead, and, and they couldn't catch up. Yeah. That, to me, that's where for a young coach, when you have, like, look, I've got my system. This is what I'm going to run. This is what I, This is what we do. This is who we are. I learned a big lesson that day because he went four guards and, and, and bowl who was really a four who played the five. Right. And, and they were more athletic. You had Artie Griffin, you had Kino, you had Askia. And, and I'm just telling you, the four guards, the four out and one in, and then the pressing, 
when Shaquille went out, we all thought the game's over. Yeah. It just started. It just radically changed. Just a coaching decision that Lou made to go, Askia, you're the one who how, – how tall was Askia? 6'5"? Six, 6'5". Five? Six, five. A 6'5 point guard, Marcus. Anybody's a good coach when you got a 6'5 point guard. I'm just kidding. But for him to take – for him to go, we're going to make this move, even though we haven't practiced it. It, it was genius, and it, it, it radically changed the whole game. The, uh, yeah. And then Bo Alov, you think back to, like, his career, you know, when he said, uh, I got the middle. I mean, he made, he made a career off of just doing the little things and rebounding and playing defense. And, you know, you never saw Bo Alov score 30 points a game. Uh, but, you know, kind of similar to what Dennis Rodman, you saw Dennis Rodman do in, in that documentary. Exactly. exactly. Good point. It is good. Coach Val, um, I saw a while back, I, I vaguely remember you doing some Team USA stuff with the younger guys. Yeah. So that experience. Like? I was, so it was great. Um, I had a chance to take uh, – I was an assistant coach with, with another coach who, who called me and asked me to go with him to China to take uh, a bunch of seniors and juniors from college to go compete against some Chinese national teams and some university teams and – I mean, how am I not going to say no to that? It's like, wow, to go to China and to mm -hmm. represent the USA team and just to coach those guys. Marcus, it was amazing. Um, the food was horrible, but that's – that's <laughs> I don't go for the food, right? I, I asked for an enchilada and they thought I was crazy, you know? <laughs> I asked for Big Red and Barbacoa and they had no clue what I was talking about. No but, Don Pedro's over there. <laughs> no, no Don Pedro's, man. And that's a great place to eat, by the way. So my favorite moment was – our first time we play, we're playing in a, in a stadium, and it's a stadium that fits about 30,000 people, and there's not an empty seat. And when they do the national anthem, they do the United States national anthem in China, and I'm, 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 I'm there with all the guys. That's when I realized, man, I'm not in Kansas anymore. I mean, this <laughs> is this – is, this is different, uh, and and here's communists, and we're there. I, I I sat back and I went, and I just put my head down. I said, Lord, thank you for all the people that helped me get to this moment to represent your country in a foreign country, uh, especially like China, Marcus. That was that was special. I'll I'll, I'll never forget it. Um, and one of the guys that played on that team was Freddie Gillespie, who's playing for Baylor right now, who finished his year. He was, you know, trying to figure out if he's a first rounder, second rounder. Now he doesn't know what's going to happen. Freddie came in. Uh, he, he, was, he was green. But when he left playing 12 games at China, he was solid. And you could just tell he's going to have a great senior year. So I was very blessed to be a part of that. That sounds amazing. And, and definitely an experience of a lifetime for sure. That's a great story, Coach. I didn't know that. Congratulations. It was fun. It was fun. I mean, I, I so I would tell all you, all the young guys, man, don't say no. Whenever you get a chance, every somebody's always watching you. You never know. You can get caught up in trying to win a game, and you could lose a career by – trying to win a game. And I know that sounds kind of weird. You, you have to – results are one thing, Marcus, but the direction you're going in is more important than results because the results will take care of themselves. If you're going in the right direction, doing the right thing, 
doors will open up to you. That's what I've experienced, and I'm sure Lewis can agree to that too. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, I usually kind of ask towards the end, but we'll just kind of get into this part now. Um, you know, talking about what you're saying, um, so at what point in your career you can, you can bring up certain moments, uh, specific or, or just in general, but where you realize that, that coaching and, um, can be more impactful than just the wins and losses when it's, when it's more about the kids and the people you're working with mm -hmm. and the relationships. Um, when, when did that kind of hit you? Um, any specific moments or just anything in general? Uh, well, for me, uh, you know, as a young coach, um, you know, the victories were so very important and the, the awards, yeah. all the accolades were important when you were younger. As you get older, you start realizing that the important things are not those things. The important things are those championship bonds that you that you acquire with those kids that are going to last a lifetime. I mean, when those kids call me to go to their wedding, quinceaneras, get-togethers, birthdays, just call me just to talk or send me a, a postcard or whatever, you know, those are the things that are really important to me now. Uh, yeah, to me, those are the most important things. Boy, I, I couldn't have said it any better, Marcus. My, the moment where it – I agree 100% with what Lewis said. The moment where it hit me in the face was we're in the, um, we're in the Final Four up in Austin. We're playing North Crowley. It's the second time we win at Madison. And I got a kid where we finish the game and we lose, and North Crowley wins it all. They, they win the next day. And we lose the game, and we go in the locker room, and it's like, okay, guys, turn your jerseys in. We had a great year. It was a great team. And the ball just didn't bounce our way. It's a four-point game with a minute to go. And they got a kid who went to Oklahoma and they, uh, Willie Warren, who just lit it up in the last 30 seconds. But we lose, and this kid, he can't take off his jersey. I'm like, hey, take your jersey off, turn it in, we'll wash him, we'll take care of it. And he gets up and he says, hey, guys, I, I got to say something. I can't take my jersey off because this jersey saved my life. And, and I'm sitting there feeling sorry for myself because we lo lose, right? And he says, if I don't put this jersey on, I'm in drugs, I'm in a gang, oh, wow. or I'm dead. Oh, wow. Because that's, that's where my family was going. And then he says, <clears throat> you guys are my family. You guys are my brothers. I'm telling you, Marcus, at that moment, I felt like I got hit in the gut. And I'm going, what are you worried about, winning or losing a game? Yeah, right. Right. You just want a kid. You are part of a life change in that person's life. And he went on to play college and did well. And, and, and you sit there and just go, I'm missing the boat. And Louis's right. When you're young, it is about winning games. It's about mm -hmm. establishing your name and yourself and mm -hmm. being different from everyone else and trying to say, hey, no, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at what we're doing. Yeah. And then as you get older, the best way I describe it is this. It's like the movie Gladiator. There's, there's the gladiator, and then there's that old man who trained the gladiator. I'm the, we're the old man that trains gladiators, right? So when we're young, we think we're the gladiator. We're not. We're not. We're the people that train other people to do what they're called to do and help them reach their potential. We're called to pull out of them what God put exactly. in them. And if, we do, and if we do that, I don't care how many games you win or lose. It's how many lives That's you change. Exactly right. Yeah, that's good stuff. I mean, I've heard it said similar stuff, but I haven't heard it said any better than what you two guys just said. You know, you know, championship bonds and and then the story you're telling, Coach. Yeah. I mean, you guys give me goosebumps right now. I love it. 
<laughs> it's fun. It's fun. So um, let's talk a little bit about just changes that you've seen in the game of basketball from when you started. Or, I'm sorry, changes that you've seen in the profession as well uh, from when you started up until this point. Ooh. Boy, I'm, that's a good question right there. Yes. Man, the biggest difference to me, me and uh, Coach Val here, we grew up on, a, on the Bobby Knight era of motion offense. Yes, we did. Running the flex offense. I remember uh, Bobby Jackley ran the flex offense when he was at the state tournament. And they came within a couple of baskets of winning and yeah. running the flex offense. You know, um, we 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 come from an era where we we fed the post inside and yes, you know, and it's a lost art. I don't, don't see the post. I went to the state tournament two years ago. I had never been in a long. I said I'm going to go because it's being held here in San Antonio, and I'm going to yeah. go. I was all excited. I get there and I see these huge teams. I mean, they're six seven, six eight. You know, athletic, and and lo and behold, uh, the postman never touches the ball. Nope. Postman is popping outside and shooting threes. Yep. And I'm going, what is going on? And I said, you know what? The game has really changed. And uh, but I will say this: the players mm. have become more more athletic. Yes. They're better ball handlers. They can really the ball, the step back, the, you know, sidestep, uh, the, the Euro step, uh, all that stuff that we never did. Uh, they're better at it. Uh, so in that respect, I think that, you know, uh, it changed a Absolutely. lot. Absolutely. When skill training started going not just to guards but to bigs, and when bigs started doing the skill training that guards did, yeah. it, it really radically changed everything. So when, when we were coaching, when we started, the three-point line was there but it wasn't utilized like it's used now because mm -hmm. we would have a traditional five, a post player, and then a power forward at a four, and then a small forward and a shooting guard and a guard. Well, nowadays there is no post. Your, your, your four becomes your five, and then you play two shooting guards or you play two slashers, and, and the spacing really changes everything. And, mm -hmm. You go from down screening, Louie, I know you remember this. To, so to read, to read your defender, do you curl? Do you flare? Do you pop out? Do you backdoor? That's Bobby Knight stuff, right? And That's now it's just dribble drive, and everything is dribble drive. And dribble drive. Because, because of the skills that people are developing, right. well, now people are defending the dribble drive so well, I'm curious to see what's going to happen in the future where it always circles back. I'm wondering if they're ever going to go back to – if you get a big guy and you post them up, people aren't going to know how to defend it anymore because no one ever defends it. That's so, exactly that, right. That, that's exactly that's right. An, that's an interesting thing that I, I wonder if that's going to happen again. The other thing I see – there's two other things that I see that have changed in the game is just the social media part of it, how it's changed the way players look at not just the game, but how they promote themselves and how – not just promote themselves, just how they're scrutinized and they're under the gun and everything. So when you're ranked in the eighth grade as the number five player in the nation, mm -hmm. I mean, my goodness, how, how, how do you figure that out? So that, that frenzy is a difficult thing for coaches to deal with. And the third thing to me, Marcus, is the kids, as Louis said, he's right, they're much more talented. They're much more skilled. But in a very unusual way, they're softer. 
they're, they're, they're not and, – and I'm not against the players. I love my players and I love them all. But for back in the day when a coach would get in your face and yell at you, I mean, it was like, yes, sir. I mean, we're, yeah. we, we would embrace that. And, and it's almost like you challenge my manhood. You're making me a man and I'm going to step up and I'm going to do what I need done as opposed to today, if you ever get in a kid's face or if you're ever a disciplinarian or if you're ever tough, today's kids don't know how to respond to that. Uh, and, and there's a big reason for it, I think. There's more of a fatherless generation now than there was back then. So they don't know how to react and respond to a strong, powerful male role model. So those are the three things I see in the difference from then to now. I agree. Yep. I, uh, I do like the old school stuff. I remember one time I was visiting Coach Torres uh, when he was at Terrell Wells next door, and I heard him on the phone. Uh, I was waiting for him to finish, just talking to a parent. And, but he, was, he had his coaching voice on and, and was like, no, ma'am, young man need to be held accountable for what he did. And, and he kind of just let her know. And the mother had no choice. Like, yes, sir. Okay, coach. What are we going to do? And, uh, and I love it. You know, we can kind of flow into it. I was going to ask your thoughts on the last dance, the whole uh, thing, just like what did you think about watching it? But, but a real specific part, now that you say that, uh, a lot of uh, social media has been circulating about like when Michael Jordan went home and he didn't make the varsity as a sophomore. And what did his mother tell him, right? Well, what are you going to do about it? Get outside and get to work, right? So just what are your thoughts on that moment and then just the whole documentary in general? Well, just just uh, that hard uh, success is the end result of hard work. I mean, that's what you tell your kids. You know, you want to you want some playing time, then you show me that you're going to work on your skills, that you're going to a better rebounder, defensive player, you know, better ball handler, whatever it is, you got to work at it. Nothing's going to be given to you. And uh, I think if the if the kids have that kind of mindset, you know, that they're more, uh, they're going to succeed and, and be the player that they want to be and the player that you want them to be. How about how about when his dad says, "Look, you're getting in trouble in school. If you get in more trouble in school, no more athletics." And then he straightened out. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, no more athletics, man. You're serious. So he goes into that. I, I loved everything I saw about that whole thing because that's the way I remembered Michael Jordan. Uh, he was – he wasn't just a superstar, Marcus. He was an assassin. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't just going to beat you. He was going to tear you up. And I, I thought it was very interesting how his teammates struggled with him sometimes because he was so demanding. And there's that one scene, I can't remember if it's episode six or five, when he says, okay, that's enough. Cause he was getting ready to almost get emotional because of what BJ Armstrong said, like, yeah, he's tough. And sometimes we didn't like him. And, and his part of basically saying, you wouldn't have gotten anywhere if I wasn't tough on you guys. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought that was really intriguing to see. And I always love talking to my players about the LeBron, versus MJ story I we you know the kids today oh LeBron's better than MJ and I'm like okay so how many Hall of Famers has LeBron's potential Hall of Famers has LeBron stopped from getting a ring mm -hmm. and then you look at Michael Jordan and you go how many Hall of Famers did he prevent from getting a ring and there's at least 20 of them at least at least so you, you sit there and go wow if he's preventing Hall of Famers from getting rings 
that that right there is is to me the one where you go he's not just a player and a superstar he's he's ridiculous and you you can think about how how big of a star was he back in the day and that's not including uh like the use of social media imagine if he had the social media behind him uh i mean my god i mean worldwide the guy was just legendary <laughs> what Coach Stolz, what, what do you miss the most about, about coaching? Oh, man. I think I miss the, uh, this right here, the camaraderie with coaches. You know, uh, I miss the interaction with kids. You know, I miss getting them as, as freshmen and seeing them uh, yes. mature, grow up, uh, become responsible individuals, become better players. Uh, then after they graduate, responsible young men, they, become, they get married, responsible parent, you know, uh, responsible family man. Those are the things that I miss, I guess, more than anything. Uh, I miss the games. I miss preparation for the games. I miss the practices, just anticipating the practice every single day. You know, uh, the game, the games themselves, and and I miss talking to the parents, and I miss you know talking to my trainers and my, my managers and and, uh, and 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 I would be remiss if I don't mention this you know I want to thank all my my uh, assistant coaches along the way mm. everything they did they did tremendous work for me and and I wouldn't be here I wouldn't have done accomplished what I did without them so where they know who they are and thank you so much that's beautiful that's awesome coach so any advice that you would give young young coaches getting into the profession, or what would you tell yourself when you first got into the business? Uh, um, just any kind of advice would be great. Go ahead, Coach Val. Boy, that's a great question, Marcus. Uh, first thing I would say is come to the realization that you don't know it all, and you're never going to know it all. Right. And, and there's nothing wrong with not knowing it all. Don't fake it to make it. If you don't know it all, which you come to the realization that you don't, then learn what you can. Uh, uh, the other thing I would tell people is be adaptable and flexible because every year is different and every team is different. Sometimes you get a great group of kids that come in a great class, followed by another class that's not as good. And what you ran last year, you might not be able to run two years from now. So you've got to always evolve. You have to always adapt. You have to always adjust. Uh, another thing I would say is make sure you build culture. The culture that you, you don't manage players, manage culture. If you manage culture, then players will fall into the culture and you won't have to really manage them as much. And if they don't fall into the culture, then they don't belong to you. They, 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 they don't want to adapt and adjust to what you need. I learned this from one of my assistant coaches that I thought was really good. We, we developed this and we talked about the three C's in coaching. So you're always going to look for, for character first in players and, and you're always, so who, who do I want on my team? Who do I want in my culture? Who's going to be a, who's going to be an assistant coach? If I've got one guy who's six one way and another guy who's half a dozen the other, what's, who am I going to let in the room? Characters number one. If they're good people, good things are going to happen to good people. If they're equal in, 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 in everything else, character is the first place you go through. That's the first door. The second door to me is chemistry. So now that you're a good person, find people that fit 
in their role in the team that's going to make the team better and the organization better. You know, sometimes like you use Bo Outlaw. Like what you said, Bo Outlaw wasn't a guy who was going to score 30 points, but he was going to prevent 30 points. Exactly. And, and, and by doing that, he's not out to shoot the ball. He would pass it and go sit a pick. He would say, shoot it, and I'll go get the rebound. He was great for the chemistry of that team. He had character, he had chemistry, and then the third one is competence. How competent are you at what you do? And if, and if you develop something like that, Marcus, and for, for young coaches, man, go seek the old guys. Go seek the old guys and learn from their mistakes. And you develop IQ when you make a mistake and you learn from it and don't do it again. But you can develop IQ from somebody else's mistakes if they're willing to share it. And then you never go into that room. Those are the things I would suggest. Yeah. <clears throat> I used to sit my players down and say, Guys, I want to tell you something very important. I, I play favorites. Yeah. They would look at me and go, well, my, favorite, my favorites are the ones that have, are disciplined, have good attitudes, have good work ethic, they're respectful people, good character, don't get in trouble in school or away from school. Those are the things that I'm looking for in a player. So you want to be, you know, uh, in good with me, then you work on those things. And that's what I would tell players. That's great stuff. And hopefully, uh, guys, when they listen to this stuff, uh, they can really soak it in and, and apply what they can. Well, I just want to thank you guys for taking some time out, um, hanging out, talking about your, your, your childhood and your, your journey through the profession. You know, just as a, as a younger coach um, and a younger Latino coach, to see two, two uh, powerful Latino coaches really do some amazing things in their careers, it's, it was my honor to be able to sit here and talk with you guys. Marcus, I almost say this, and I know I can speak for Lewis too on this. What you're doing is wonderful. Absolutely. You're, you're, you're influencing a lot of people, and we, we're honored to, to be part of this. Yes. I wish I had the wisdom that you have at your age. At when I was your age, you're, you're, you're way ahead of the curve. Yes. So continue to, continue to love your team. Love your community and change coaches' lives and perspective because I think it's wonderful. I agree with that wholeheartedly, uh, Marcus. Um, the other thing that I want to say is that uh, I think Harlan Independent School District basketball is in good hands with you and with Eric De Los Santos. So it's yes. been success and best of luck to y'all. Yep. Hey, thank you guys very much. Y'all be safe out there. Stay safe in the storm. You too, thank my you. friend. Bless Bless you. Bless you.